and welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. My name is Anne Hambly. I'm the host of today's podcast, and I'm very thrilled to have with me today Rob Pivnik, who has his firm, pivnikfirm.com. Uh, Rob is a lawyer by trade, but I don't know, every time I talk to him, I you, you won't feel like you're talking to a lawyer, by the way, which is a really big compliment, Rob. Tell us more about uh, Pivnik Firm and your background and uh, all that as we start out here. Yeah, of course. That, by the way, that's an incredible compliment. I think the last thing I want to hear is people say, man, you sound like such a lawyer. It's horrible to hear. But, <laughs> um, so my background, I spent uh, six, seven, six or seven years at Winstead, you know, a regional big law firm here in Dallas. Uh, then went in-house with Goldman Sachs and their lending group, covered that group and the asset management group and uh, for about 10 years. Before I went in-house with Leon Capital Group, uh, private equity real estate um, shop here in Dallas, I was general counsel for for them for five years. And then when COVID turned everyone's life upside down a little bit, and I was working from home, I decided that uh, I liked being able to go outside at two o'clock if it was sunny out, and realized I had a really good network and you know great experience that I could that I could use to give to entrepreneurial private clients who shouldn't be paying thousand dollars plus an hour for their attorney so i figured i would uh parlay that into my own thing and you know it only took a month or two and then i've been you know full bore since then so it's been about two and a half years well because our industry needs people like you which is you know there's um it's hard to find i you know i've had our firm since 05 and I work with commercial real estate owners, as you know, and we've worked on many transactions together uh, since yeah. COVID. But um, it's hard to find a good lawyer who understands CMBS, especially in commercial real estate, that doesn't want to take on a, a, a an owner and, and maybe be on the other side of a special servicer. That's hard to find is a good, good lawyer who will do, who will represent an owner even if it means you don't get all of Eleanor's or you know CW's or I'm not picking on any name but anybody's yeah. business the, the institution yeah and I really like that about you our our industry really needs that and that's why we refer people to you all the time that need a good lawyer who understands the business who uh will represent them so yeah well I think it's, it's funny I, I don't know how well I would work with institutions any longer <laughs> um, kind of like, kind of like doing my own thing. Like I said, I beat my own drum a little bit, and I think you know, my my personality and my client base is, is such that it's the private entrepreneurial folks um, who don't want you know the the, the big law uh, behind them and and the the white collared you know attorney who's who's going to be the traditional attorney. So I think probably most of those institutions I don't work well with anymore. I, I tend to mesh a little better with the entrepreneurial, smaller, private, individual clients. Uh, it, it seems like that's how it's shaking out. Well, and they don't want and, to- And honestly, sorry, not, not to interrupt, but those are the type of clients why I went on my own is, like I said, those, those are the type of clients that generally don't get the representation that they should be getting. Someone who's got the experience and has right. done transactions, been the business side, you know, been the lender side, principal, um, limited partner, um, sponsor all those sides and and should get the benefit of good counsel and not feel like they're paying you know a thousand dollars an hour and and three attorneys on on their other side when they can get somebody who who has that experience and doesn't charge them that much so 
I'm, I'm a little bit surprised there aren't more smaller shops or solo practitioners out there that are representing entrepreneurial clients, um, like well, I do, which works well for me, but. Well, I'm sure there are plenty. So people are going to hear this and say, oh, well, I, I know someone. But the key is that knows the CMBS market. You know, you worked at a big firm. You know how it's done. You understand CMBS just as well. I'm sure uh, I, I say this with a, as a compliment very as much as I do. I, I think you've been in the business a long time. You understand it. I love your slogan, smart, responsive, and practical. And I, I think those are three words I would use to describe you always too. So you get right to the point, you understand it. When you deal with a lawyer that does not have a CMBS background and that approaches uh, the case as if it were a bank loan, it's there's so much that has to be done to get them just the, to the whole different world, For sure, a whole different world. It is. And, and yeah, I think all the different types of, of lender entities you could have out there are all very, very different. Um, but look, I've been I've been very fortunate to have the varied experience that I've got that you know has put me in the position that I'm at now. So it's been it's been good and, and hopefully allows me to parlay that to help my clients. But yeah, I think the honestly I didn't even remember what my slogan was on my website. I think I set that up two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like been, um, still the same. But, but still the same, that's right. But I think the I, I think for me the the two Thank you for the smart compliment, but the I think the responsive and the practical things are ones that I really think were you know hit the mark with any client, but in what my clients certainly is uh, you know just I remember from first year law school you know it's it's the low hanging fruit is just call your clients back you know yeah right, um, right. I, you know I know that a lot of people get frustrated with their attorneys who take a couple of days to even get you know respond back to them with email and phone call and. Certainly, you know, multiple business days or a week to turn a document around. And I think being able to do that super quickly has been great. And I think that goes with the practical nature. I mean, I think it's it, one can always zealously represent one's client, but being practical as to what really matters as opposed to, you know, an associate who, you know, mm-hmm. for better work doesn't have the experience, you know, tenure in the industry that people more experience do. And so yeah. having that experience, you know, it's yeah. really able to be practical what you're looking for yeah and the experience in the very documents that you're yeah. talking about so you know there's times where i'm working on a workout with a, a borrower and and uh and, and the servicer and then they bring in their counsel and they want to like negotiate you know cash management in a workout or something then it's like you know you're just really not going to win that and you would know to your point yeah. about let me, let me focus on the stuff that yeah. matters right 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 for sure okay well, I I wanted to, you to talk about that because this background and why you created your firm and all that, because I think it's almost one of the most important things anybody listening uh, should know. I mean, we all have our own views on the market, what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you some of those here in a minute, but it's really important to have experienced counsel that knows, you know, knows the product you're working with that can help you and feels passionate about helping you and has institutional experience, but doesn't charge um, actually, I had a, a private equity firm that said, "Here's how to remember me. I'm not two one two capital, so yeah. you're not a two one two lawyer." I love that. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> I thought, man, that's a great statement. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's go a little bit more to the market. So you you created your firm during COVID. My goodness, I didn't even realize that. So yeah. I think that was when I was first introduced to you for my clients from 
Keith Mullen, our mutual yeah, right. uh, our mutual right. friend in real estate. Reintroduced. Reintroduced. Reintroduced, yeah. Um, but I, I meant introduced in your new firm. I didn't know that you yeah, had. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you lived through COVID, you got through all of that. And here we are now in 2023, start of the year. What do you tell me? Tell me some of Rob Pivnik's predictions in commercial real estate in 2023. Oh man, if I, if I could, I think this is the standard line, right? If I could make those predictions, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Um, you don't need the legal explanation. I'm yeah, that's right. What do I think? I, you know, I think for me right now, the question is, what are the capital markets going to do to transactions in general and whether it's the debt markets or how then you know trickles down into generally capital as a whole right equity as well and how it, how it affects risk and return and models etc um and what is the next three months six months nine months a year hold for us i don't know i think right the the, the cost of capital obviously is, has affected presumably everybody but certainly, I think um, a lot of my clients and my business, right, developer clients and, and folks buying and selling properties. And so the question is, is it, is it a slowdown? And certainly, it's stopped, slowed down, whatever, in some form or fashion. And does that provide opportunities? And are you know clients you know, smart enough to take advantage of those opportunities? And if not, like how long does it take? Is it six months, nine months, a year? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of us know. Um, I was talking to one of my friends who runs actually a, a big lending shop here. And he said, you know, our guys don't expect me to do anything for about a year because I aim to play 115 rounds of golf this year. Wow. So Jeez. is it a year? I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah. my, my unscientific view, um, maybe six months, I would, I would think, I would hope. And, you know, I think then the market picks back up. The question is, does it pick up too quickly, though? And eliminate opportunities for people to get in there and and, and create some value, or is it you know a, a, a normal ramp up that allows people to take advantage of it? So for sure, it's going to be you know quarter two quarters. Is it you know longer than that for a year? I, I don't know. You you may know better than I do. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I know that's like one of those really hard things to uh, you know ever see into the future. And I asked you a tough question, but so does the the rate this unsteadiness of the rates and the rates going up, has that affected your firm's, you know, client base or anything by any stretch? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, it is cut down on, you know, quote, transactions, unquote, right? I think a lot of, there's more asset management, there's more leasing, there's, uh, you know, people haven't locked up the construction financing and it's affecting that people haven't locked up their acquisition financing and it's, you know, it's killed some transactions for sure. Um, and from my perspective, it's, you know, it's reduced significantly the number of closings, I would say, you know, transactions, acquisitions, development, and left me with more hourly billing, you know, leasing work and, and those kinds of things, asset management techniques, as opposed to new properties and new developments and acquisitions. Yeah. Well, actually, that would explain that we're, we're spending more of our time so far this year doing um, uh, advisory work. Yeah. People are calling not to say, I need my loan. I need these three things done to my loan. But they're calling to say, look, I got potential tenant rollover in 23. My loan matures in a year. I can't get financing. But, you know, what should I do or what are my options? And uh, so we're spending a lot more time with that kind of uh, those kind of clients, then yep, I've, I've got a lot of the similar questions, which is, 
hey, you know, what do I do in the context of I can't capitalize how I thought I could? Yeah. What do, if there are existing loan docs, what do they say? And if not, hey, you know, I can't get to the, the, the amount of equity that I needed, so I have to go raise capital from my investors. Some or all or a handful of them don't want to put money in, so what do I do? How do I handle it? Yeah. And what docs allow me to do and what are my options? So yeah, I'm seeing a lot more of that as well. You know, it's interesting because I've seen a couple of um, uh, deals. We're working on a couple right now, too, with this exact same situation where it would make good economic sense, I think, all the way around for everybody if this is a portfolio loan, if you can allow the sale of some of these assets over the next year to kind of delever until maturity. And I, I get the whole uh, reason for having all the constraints you do about releasing collateral. You can't take the good one, leave me the dog. You know, I, I get all that. But the number one uh, caveat or condition in all of these releases is you can't be in default. So if you went to special servicing and you have a maturity default, I'm finding the servicers kind of holding firm on that and saying, no, we're not going to let you partially release these because you're in default. Right, isn't that kind of interesting? Or have you run across well, any of it's interesting, yeah. right? Because in, if you want to get to the specials, you have to be in default. Yeah. Right. But if right. you're in default, then you lose some of your rights. So it's yeah. That's yeah. why that's why people are hiring you because you're the one that can you know, <laughs> yeah. navigate through that mindset. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? And and I think right. back um, in the middle of COVID, you were probably advising some of your clients as I was, like, hey, you have to consider strong if you want a default here, so you can get the special attention as long as that default doesn't, you know, tip you into recourse. Yeah. So oh, yeah. and, and that's right, that's where you and I have worked together, you know, quite a few. Yeah. Um, on navigating that uh, path. Yeah, and I, I I feel like I need to give a disclaimer here too because I spent probably, I don't know, the first 30 years of my career telling everybody I could, a borrower, if you don't need to go to special servicing, do not go there. Um, yes, you can miss two payments and get transferred, but you don't want to do it that way, right? That's that's not the right way to get their attention. Send an M in at the fall letter and blah, blah, blah. So I've said that my entire career. And then COVID hit. And what we realized is you cannot, it's like I've told many people, it was like waiting in line at the emergency room for attention. I mean, you're, there's, you know, a 50 mile uh, yeah. long line. And, and so the ones coming in by ambulance are kind of probably getting the first attention. And right. it's... Same same thing then as you had to default to get attention, yeah. but I never thought I'd say that before in my life. So I just want to say that's not my regular approach. <laughs> <laughs> but the advice is not default. The advice is not to default if you don't have oh, to. Yeah, of course. Yes, correct. And of yeah, course, yeah. Any default, right? You know, lenders, you know, or, or people think, right? That lenders are looking for any trigger to kick them into yeah. recourse. Then, right. You know, Hey, be careful how you do it and, and what you do here and, and how you tie yeah. in all the dots to make sure you don't accidentally trip up recourse. And yet it's funny because almost every borrower I talk to, I, I really believe by the time they get to the point where they're having to call for help and stuff, they've convinced themselves that that the special servicers have such, and banks all together, have, have this uh, one focus agenda, which is the rule to get their property, right? Yeah. And I've told so many, they don't want yeah. your property. They that's the last thing they want. Right. They, they want a loan that's paying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But sure. every borrower almost feels these days yeah. like they're just, there's this big, you know, you know, mission out there from yeah. all the banks, you know, go get all the properties they can. I think they've probably heard right there. They've heard one and one story probably does it. One or more horror stories. Yeah, and, right. And or some, you know, some some 
vulture funds that, that take advantage of situational and they hear one or two of those and they're like, oh, that's what lenders yeah. are all like. When, exactly. You know, right. Most lenders don't want to have anything to do with that. No, exactly. Yeah, I think they want to work it out if they can, you know, but... Well, Rob, any uh, parting words for anybody listening for 2023 from commercial real estate and the legal side? Anything you want to leave anybody with that we didn't cover? Um, you know, I figured my, my last question was going to be asking your thoughts on how long the slowdown, you know, and the, and the, the rates effect. But we talked about that. So uh, no specific parting shots, no. My parting, uh, parting comment which I think you're, you see too, is so many people say, well, you know, retail, I mean, things are going through changes, but ultimately it'll all be fine and it'll all work out. And, you know, if you go out five years or something, I don't think we have like all these massive defaults and stuff. And I, I agree with that completely, but change in itself um, equals the need to get lender approval. So you're yeah. going to, change your tenant size, you know, let a, let a different tenant come in, or you're going to do change the, the, the use of your property or all that, that stuff, even though it means the, it doesn't mean that the whole industry is melting and going away, it just, but it does equal the need to get lender consent, which is yeah. a lot of loans. You know, properties or, or portions of properties, right? Everyone's out to figure out what the highest and best use is. And if that's, yeah, that's right. Changing yeah. Tenant or changing capital, however you do it, right. There's, there's, if yep. there's a better, way to to skin the cat and that's what people yeah want to do, so. absolutely well thanks rob i pr- appreciate yeah, your time today and bearing with me uh in my old age while i'm trying to remember my train of thought i'm right there with you i'm right there with you you are not yeah yeah well the hair i see on your head is not white so you're good that's because it's gone you don't see any hair oh no, i see i see hair on your head and it's not white <laughs> <laughs> well have a good rest of your day thanks again rob